1: Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We record on Wednesday, November 3rd, as Virginia Tech gets set for a short week and a trip up to Boston College to face the Eagles. On episode 205 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we'll go through the Eagles and how they've struggled over their last couple of weeks without their starting quarterback, Phil Djokovic, the impact on a short week on both teams, and how the Hokies can keep the momentum from their win down in Atlanta going this week. All that and much more coming up on episode 205 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, however you are taking in this edition of the Tech Sideline podcast, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or if you are on the YouTube. If you are watching archived on YouTube, be sure to give us a like, comment, and subscribe to the Tech Sideline YouTube channel. If you are live in the YouTube, make sure to drop a comment or question in the chat for Will and Chris, and we'll get to those with Katie at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can help bring a. Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg and one of the best and fastest growing wrestling programs in the country. Be sure to go to SoutheastRTC.com to learn more and donate today. I'm your host, Jake Lyman. We've got our, finally, our usual crew back on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline, across the way. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline, back in his usual spot. In the fourth chair today, it's Katie Adams. We'll have her usual segment in the middle of the show, and then she'll get to your YouTube questions at the end. Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. We are back, ready for Boston College on Friday. But as always, we have to do our Braves check-in,
2: the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. It's a great time down there. The best way I can describe it is like going to a World Series at the battery is like if College Game Day was set up on Bourbon Street. A more upscale bourbon street. And, like, the stadium and the game was right next door. It was insane. It was the best atmosphere I've ever been in for any sport. So definitely definitely worth definitely worth it all.
0: So for people that don't know, you got the stadium, and then you got that whole area around it. Yeah. Did, did I hear the TV commentators say there were probably 150,000 people in it, it, the it area? It wouldn't shock
2: me with probably 45,000 in the stadium. Yeah. Um, and, like, the line to get into bars on Saturday was hours long. So... I had to hang out outside all day.
0: Now, were you allowed to bring your own? Like, could you wheel a cooler up if you were just hanging out <laughs> well, in the area?
2: Well, I don't know. To be honest, I, you probably could if, if you uh, if you wanted to. If, you, if, saying, you, if you didn't just... have tickets to the game, and you were just going to watch it on the big screen outdoors. The battery was the best kept secret in baseball until uh-huh. the World Series. Uh-huh. And it's the absolutely best atmosphere anywhere you can go see a game in baseball right now because yeah. it's just a party atmosphere around the stadium the whole time.
1: Well, they were showing it, uh, I want to say, heading into the ninth inning last night and just people going crazy. They had people in the outfield at Truist Field that were just going crazy. It looked
2: like a great atmosphere. It was fantastic. I was uh, definitely uh – it was always the number one item on my bucket list. But, you know, it's not something you can do until it happens. So when it happened, I was like, yep, I'm going. It doesn't matter how much it costs.
0: But yeah, he, people are like, it's the middle of football season. Why are you allowing Chris to go to, go to the World Series? <laughs> Did you say they hadn't even been to the playoffs in a long time?
2: Oh, no, they go to the playoffs every year. Okay, They, they, they hadn't been to a World Series since 99, and they hadn't right. won one since mm. 95. Yeah. So, yeah, but, so, of
0: course, I'm going to let him go. I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I missed
2: a Georgia Tech game but nobody's going to remember 10 years from now anyway. It's not a big deal.
0: True.
1: <laughs> well, well, you did get to see two wins while you're down there on Friday yep. and Saturday. How'd you take in the game last
2: night, the the clincher? I went to PKs last night, and uh, I, I didn't. After you know being there at those games, it's kind of it was kind of hard to, for me to sit around and watch them by myself. So I, I did go out last night. But
1: it was a good game, seven nothing win for the Braves. Again, like Chris mentioned, first World Series since 1995. But we are talking about football, Virginia Tech football, heading down, or excuse me, up to Boston uh, this weekend to face the Boston College Eagles. And this is a team that kind of just a lot of hope going into the season, started 4-0, and but lose their starting quarterback and now have lost their first four ACC games.
0: Yeah, yeah if, if you look at their their season and the, tra- the trajectory of their season. Now, granted, they start out with a couple of cream puffs. They beat Colgate 51 nothing at home. They traveled to UMass, which I find odd. And UMass is one of the worst teams it's, in the country. It's got
2: to be a two-for-one deal.
0: Yeah, and then they beat them 45-28. Then they traveled to Temple, beat Temple 28-3, to and then beat Missouri 41-34 in overtime at home. So at that point, they're 4-0. and And uh, Alumni Stadium, I think it's called, holds 44,500 people. And th- they're not known for great fan support, but for that Missouri game, they had 44,500 people. So things were very... Uh, kind of trending in the right direction then. And, and I don't remember exactly at what point Phil Jerkovic got. From. I was in
2: the UMass game, which actually made the Missouri result, considering everything we know now, shocking, that they were able to win that game wow. with yeah. their backup quarterback. And we'll get into this later, but he is not a good player at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I want to say
1: that that NC State game the next week was sold out too. That – I. Believe that was a pretty rocking atmosphere, and then they got blown they got out hammered. that game. There was
2: 40, 40, in The official attendance is what it says right yeah, here. So, so but they, for Boston College, first of all, really they cool.
0: lost to Clemson nineteen thirteen, and that was thought, a really good Clemson. game. Yes, that was yes. a really really good game.
2: Yeah. Would, uh, BC had the ball at the end and fumbled snap while they were driving.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and that was when Clemson was still at least considered as decent at that point. Uh, yeah, um, Clemson's one of those teams where like all their games are going to be within 10 points. Low scoring you know? and
0: close. Yeah.
1: yeah. Nobody scoring over
2: 30 but it's uh, I believe they have had uh, we we
1: mentioned Georgia Tech was 14 to 8 and 19 13 in that one. Yeah. So everybody playing Tigers close this year but we mentioned Phil Jerkovich. He has been very good since going to Boston College. 20 touchdowns, just five interceptions, almost 3,000 yards in the limited amount of time he's been there. Him going down is pretty much doomed this season. Uh, Dennis Grossell, Red Senior, steps in, and he has just not been all that good.
0: I would say that Jerkovic going to Boston College severely impacted Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame, Dame yeah. season as
1: well. Notre I, Dame. I
0: remember we were talking earlier this year about how Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback, and and I thought to myself, I never did say it on the podcast. I thought, well, they've got a quarterback. He's just playing oh, for Boston. College. I think I said it before did the you? Notre Dame podcast.
2: Yeah. yeah. If if Jerkovic was healthy and still at Notre Dame, oh, and yeah. and yeah, granted, you know they're they're still what seven and one or whatever, but. It might be... But
0: they're 7-1 or 8-0 with a bullet now. Who did yeah. they lose to? I don't remember. Cincinnati. 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 Yeah. And that game was close. Right. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And All right, that, sorry to interrupt Um So,
2: I, I th- what was the question? Well, remember. Dennis Grosell <laughs> oh, yeah. stepping Grussell. Grussell in. And- okay, yeah. Uh, so, Dracovic got hurt late last year and missed a game. He missed the UVA game. Grosell comes in and throws for 520 yards on UVA, and you're like, man, look at that quarterback depth the Boston College has. Well, as it turns out, as we know now uva's defense is just absolutely putrid and horrendous and whatever other word you can you, you can look up to nah. yeah yeah and, and the thesaurus but uh they're awful and now uh you get them up against you know normal teams now granted you know clemson nc state syracuse all have you know highly ranked defenses in, in the acc uh you know particularly clemson's is really really good but uh Louisville is, is not so good, and, and he was still bad
0: uh, against them. Yeah, Louisville's got the number 10 defense. Yeah, you know, Grassell,
2: 57.8% for the year, 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, seven interceptions. But it, you look at just the ACC games, which is the last four games, it's it's two, it's two touchdowns and five interceptions and 5.5 5 yards per attempt. I mean, this is awful passing yeah. offense, quite possibly the worst in the entire country. I don't mean this to talk at bad at this point in time, yeah. Right. I mean, I don't mean that this is disrespectful to Boston College, but the numbers say that's that's pretty much what they are.
1: And he threw 5 interceptions in 4 games and he got benched in the last game against Syracuse he as did. well. He
2: did. Yeah. He did. He benched and they put in a true freshman and you know, he's not a covid true freshman. He's a guy who enrolled this past January, so he is a he is a regular, yep. regular, true freshman with a little bit more time to prepare. Will you gave me so many sheets of paper? Emmett Moorhead. Emmett
0: Morehead. Yeah, we kind of overprepped for this. We're holding like eight sheets of paper.
2: He's six. went six of fifteen, completed forty percent of his passes. so I don't know how good of a runner he is. It's just such a small sample size on him. I don't know if they'll if they're if they'll turn away from Grossell. They obviously can't win with Grossell, but. Are they going to be any better with, with with a true freshman or do you just keep the red shirt on that dude and build for the future? I mean, you're, yeah. not, you're not going to have a winning record this year if you're Boston College. I so, know what I would do. But, uh, <laughs> so I don't know exactly what to expect, of the, uh, like if they, who they feel like gives them the better chance to win. But uh, either way, it just doesn't sound like they have a good option at all.
0: Yeah. To, to give you some idea of Grossell's fall from grace in air quotes, you know, you talked about the game you had last year and, I, and I've, one of, the, one of the better sources for Boston College information is uh, BC Interruption, which is a uh, uh, SB Nation site that's been around for a long time. And I found an article that uh, he wrote a couple of weeks ago after they'd lost two games, before they'd lost the third and fourth game in a row. And he said uh, coming into the season, he said, he said expectations were high even after Jarkovic got hurt. They, they, they figured they had one of the best backup quarterbacks in college football. So that's how they thought of yeah. cell before, you know, this recent skid.
1: Well, and just looking at Boston College entering this season, Jeff Halfley pretty much changed the trajectory of that program in one year. They, won't, they went 6-5 and five last year, but there was a lot of promise that maybe this year would
2: be the year they finally start to get it back with, going again. Yeah. With what looked like a decent defense coming back and, and Drakovic coming back and Zay Flowers, who I think is one of the most underrated yeah. players in the ACC, and Garwo is a pretty good running back. Yeah, it looked like they were on pace to have to have a pretty good year, and I think they, they would have had a good year if, if Dracovic had not gotten hurt. You know, the, the thing about Halfley is, you know, he likes to throw the ball a lot, and despite the fact that it's, it's just a huge drop off from Djokovic to Grossel, he doesn't he has not really changed his strategy any. That they've thrown it at least thirty two times in every in these last four ACC games. I mean, the Clemson game that was a one score game pretty much all the way through. They needed to run the football because they can't pass it, yet they still threw it 40 times with a guy who can't pass. It's just like he seems so married to the passing game. I mean, I think their best chance to beat Virginia Tech is to line up and run the ball 50 times.
0: Yeah, they have one of the best, of best run-blocking right. offensive lines in the PFF ACC. PFF
2: rates their, their, from a grade standpoint, rates their offensive line the number one run-blocking offensive line in the ACC, or yeah. offense. That yeah. includes wide receivers and tight ends and all that, too. But, yes, they have a good offensive line. Like, use it. You're going to be playing a Virginia Tech team this Friday that has struggled to stop the run, but has been really good against the pass. So you're going to go out there and throw it 35 times with one of your (laughs) quarterbacks who can't pass? Or are you actually going to give it to Garwell, who who averages 5.9 yards per carry and I think is a pretty good back? We'll see. I mean, if if Haefeli does that, then he'll finally show a willingness to change his strategy during the middle of the season. and. You know, call an offense that actually fits the strengths and weaknesses of his players, and
0: no, that but just a, it's a matchup issue. Virginia Tech's got a good pass defense, right? Run defense can be Shaking can be times. spotty, you yeah. know. So if 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 they have a brain, if they're evaluating film, they'll uh, they'll come out and run the ball.
2: And, and everybody has been really high on Hafley as a coach and what he's done there at Boston College. And generally speaking, I agree with them. But for most coaches, you know, it takes the the longer they coat that they coach, the the more warts appear right it's it's hard to get a feel for everybody's strengths and weaknesses early in their tenure uh i think you can get a better feel for their strengths than their weaknesses like it took us several years before we started to identify any of justin fuente's weaknesses right yeah. well i've uh, identified the first painfully weakness and it's and it's a seems to be kind of an unwillingness to to change philosophies even when your quarterback can't execute your philosophies
1: it seems like Almost the exact same conversation we had last week with Georgia Tech, completely flipping the philosophy when the head coaching change was made mm-hmm. from being a run first team to now a pass first team. The last time, well, the last time the Hokies saw Boston College was a blowout in Lane Stadium last year during 2020. But the previous two years before that, Tech got beat both times, and it was pretty much on the back of the Boston College running game.
2: Yeah, and BC was running the football in Tech early in that game last year. They just kept fumbling it. Yeah, they had that, five turnovers. Right, yeah. they, they were really breaking off big runs and chunks right up the middle in Tech on that first drive last year. Bam, they fumbled it, and Tech got it and, and scored, and, and it really just snowballed on BC. But they were able to effectively run the ball in Tech last year, and they should try it again this year. I mean, and I don't mean like a 50-50 split. I'm talking like run the ball 75% of the time and, and try to keep this game – low scoring in, in in the teens because you know I don't think this is odd to say because of the, the struggles Virginia Tech's offense has had this year but I don't think Boston College can help can keep pace with Virginia Tech in, in a game in the 20s yeah you, you know so they're, they're, they're they need to keep this one low scoring you did mention Zay Flowers he seems to be the
1: most the the x-factor player on that Boston College offense he had Almost a thousand yards last year, just shy of nine hundred. Nine touchdowns. A little bit of a slower start to this season, but still, he's a he's a dangerous guy. Probably going to have Waller shadowing him most of the day.
2: Yeah, he's a very dangerous player, and unfortunately for Boston College, because of their quarterback situation, they can't effectively use their best player on, on offense. Yeah, so
0: so let's let's drill down in there a little bit. I'm sitting here looking at the roster roster card. So so I know these are numbers, and you're listening, but pay attention. He's got thirty five receptions. Five hundred and eleven yards and two touchdowns. Trey Turner has thirty worst four receptions, six hundred and two yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So st- statistically, Flowers is on a level right with Trey, Trey Turner this year. Where typically with Drakovic slinging the ball to him, he'd he'd probably be up around fifty catches, maybe oh, would th- maybe oh, yeah. sixty. He,
2: you know? Yeah, he caught fifty five last year, and that was in a shortened season. That's right, and against you know pretty much a full ACC schedule, you know, with right. no, like, bad non-conference games where you can do a little bit of stat padding and things like that. So uh, I-, I wouldn't be shocked, if, you know, with Djokovic throwing him the ball if this would have been a 75-catch season or so yeah. for Flowers. I think he's a very good player.
1: So this will have to be a game you mentioned, like, if Boston College is going to win this game, they have to effectively be able to run the ball. Patrick Garwo, we've mentioned him, 689 yards, five touchdowns this season. So a good season for Garwo, who's the lead guy in that backfield. And the Hokies defense has struggled with that, with stopping the run the last few weeks. We talked about it on Monday's podcast that Against Syracuse, it was the linebackers who couldn't seem to stop the run, and then against Georgia Tech, it was the safeties. How do the Hokies kind of put it all together if they want to stop the run? Game? I,
2: I hope they can. You know, ideally, you know, you would get some penetration, but you know, Boston College has a really good offensive line, and, and uh, so you, you just got to play disciplined football. And I think you can afford to put an extra man in the box. I think so. Week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be disappointed if Tech didn't, because if Grosell can beat them. You tip your cap, and then you then you change your strategy in the middle of the game, right? Uh, but you don't go out there like fearing the BC passing mm-hmm. game. Instead, you need to go out there and make sure you stop their running game, to me, and put him in long yardage situations because if you if get you put him in a bunch of long yardage situations, they're not going to be able to move the football. I just don't see how they could. Yeah, Boston College throws
1: the ball a lot more than Syracuse, but that was kind of the same conversation we had before Syracuse, <laughs> and then
2: Syracuse threw the ball all over the yard. Yeah, but. they did, and they... they Weren't very efficient. They completed fewer than fifty percent of their passes. But when they needed to complete a pass, they and,
0: completed it. And that's been one of the themes this year. You know, we go back to Tyler Buckner throwing a couple of good balls before he melted down in the third quarter for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and for uh, Schrader, you know, if, that last pass was really nice. And he probably had some, some others during the game that were good too. So, if if you're kind of one of those people that rolls your eyes and goes, Here we go again. You are gonna see a little something from Grossell that you're not used to seeing, but I hope not.
2: Yeah, I hope not. Uh I mean I watched their game against Clemson, I watched that whole game, and uh if if Grosell was halfway decent, they would have won it. Maybe by 10, of ten points or yeah. fourteen points or something. Like he had Zay Flowers open down the field behind the Clemson secondary several times and he just couldn't couldn't complete it. Yeah. And I think that's. I think you roll that dice if you're Virginia Tech, in my opinion. And if he does happen to connect with one of them, then you know maybe you're, maybe you tip your cap and adjust or make him do it twice. Right. So uh, yeah, so I, I would go out there with the full strategy of just attacking their offense, attack, 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 and uh, which Tech hasn't really been an attack style defense this year. I think right. they they were. I didn't. You know, I've only watched the. Uh, the condensed version of, of the, Georgia, the, of Tech the game. Georgia Tech game. I thought they seemed a little more attacking this past week than they had been in the past, and maybe it was the nature of the opponent that they were playing. But, but for me, this is a defense, or excuse me, this is an offense that I, I think you want to go after, go and get after, and get them in long yardage situations because if you do that, I think your chances of a turnover jumps up, you win the field position game, uh, and, and just makes it easier on your own offense to score points because. BC, we'll get to their defense later. They are one of the best passing defenses in the country, and I don't think they're going to give up a lot of points to Virginia Tech. So it would be nice to get that field position advantage and get some short fields. And when you have a quarterback who
1: struggles to throw the football downfield, a lot of times you love to have a safety valve. You're running back catching passes. That hasn't been the case for Garwo uh, is it Levy or Levy? Travis Levy Travis. Yes, out of the? I was the calling backfield. Him Levy. Yeah. Levy, we'll go with Levy. Travis Levy out of the backfield has really been the only one who's caught a few passes. But
2: they, yeah, they they have they use three different backs. Um, besides Garwo, they've got Alex Sinkfield, who's a senior, fifty nine carries, four point one yards per carry. I don't think he's caught a pass this year. I think Garwo's caught one pass and Sinkfield has <laughs> caught none. But but you know Levy will get the ball too. He's got fifty carries, but he has fourteen catches. So. Uh, And, and, you know, doing some research on him in high school, he was a guy who played both running back and wide receiver. So he has receiving skills. But, you know, when Garwo, number 24, or Sinkfield, number 26, when they're in the game, you know, don't look for for check downs to running backs because they haven't done that this year at all.
0: Interesting stuff. So Levy has averaged, again, Chris said 14 catches. He's averaged 9.8 per reception. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't been super productive along of 27 and no touchdowns. Right.
2: So, and the fact that Garwo and Sinkfield just have combined for one catch this year. If you've got BC in a long yard, third and long-yarded situation, as long as Levy's not in the game, I think you attack because BC's right. show no inclination to throw screens yeah. to their running backs or anything like that unless Levy's in, in the game maybe. So maybe maybe you play it a little bit safer if Levy's in the game, but if, if Garwo or Sinkfield are in the game and it's third and 14, <laughs> that running back screen is not coming. Because they they're, they're going to stay in and block. Right, right, right. So uh, I think you, you, you really get aggressive in situations like that.
1: Looking at their offense, if it's third and 14 and Levy's not on the field, I think you triple cover Zay Flowers and just oh, yeah, say yeah, he's yeah. not going to beat us. They've got yeah. nobody else at this point. Right. Yeah. Um Levy also, I wanted to mention our obligatory special teams report. Levy mm-hmm. a very good kick returner as well.
2: So that could be a factor Return in a game. one that... for a touchdown earlier this year, 96 yards. Granted, it was against UMass. But uh, this is a very even special teams matchup. Like the FEI special teams rankings has Tech 24th in the country and BC 27. 27th.
0: Mm. So speaking of Travis Levy, those that read my stuff and remember things that I write, uh, this goes back to the 2019 season opener. <laughs> Knew you were going to bring this. Oh, up. yeah. Yeah. I probably brought it up on previous podcasts. Levy is, uh, I'd, I'd have to look him up and see what size he is. So give me a second here. He is, I can't remember what number he is right off the top of my head. He is uh, 23.
2: number 23,
0: so he's 5'11", 203. Plays bigger than that. Not small, not a huge guy, but this goes back to his freshman year. He sent three Virginia Tech football players to the sidelines in that 2019 game. Divine Diablo, who's not a small guy. He blindsided Taiwan Garbett and I think was a Garbett? I think that kept Garbutt out for a week or two. Yeah, I think he missed it was concussion two weeks. type stuff. Yeah. And I don't remember the third person he sent off the sidelines, but he was a human <laughs> wrecking ball. Um, it's two years later, and he is still he's not he's not a frontline guy for uh, BC, but he is turning out to be productive. But uh, I just remember watching that game and thinking that guy's physical. That's a guy I'd like to have on my football team.
2: Right, and. This matchup completely favors Virginia Tech, at least as far as the numbers go. Yeah. But, you know, if BC comes out, if a guy like Levy comes out and just out physicals Virginia Tech from right. the opening whistle, then, it, you know, we could find ourselves in a battle. In a battle so right. it's important to, to, you know, remember the lessons of that game when BC just came. It wasn't just Ryan Willis turnovers in that game. Granted, that ended up being the difference. But early in the game, it was like BC made the first hit. You know, they punched Virginia Tech in the chin.
0: And wasn't that when Andre Williams was playing for him? Was that his name, the, that big running back? Then? Oh, you're taking A.J. Dillon. Dillon. He told pl- you it was on. I
2: actually watched a full Packers game on Thursday night for the first time since pre-COVID.
0: Is Dillon in the NFL? He oh, Dillon
1: plays for well, the Packers. He yeah, be. I want yeah, to say he had 90 yards or something. He, I, I, he was very impressive week. on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, that so that this is what Sunday. happens
0: when you have too many names and numbers in your head after all these years. I remember the A and I remember the double L. Like, <laughs> who's A.J. Dillon? Am I making that up? No, you're a, not making that up Andre Williams, is.
1: I believe he was a running
0: back for BC, a yeah. little, but A.J. Dillon was so the one, one who played nice in 2019. CC it. Then now I'm reverting to him. Let's move on.
1: Please. I think A.J. Dillon, he had I'll, this is just off the top of the head, I think he had 200 yards or something in the 2018 game when BC Probably. came in and, yeah. and and had a yeah. big day. Yeah. I did want to flash back to that 2019 season opener. I remember watching that game and feeling frustrated at the end that Tech, I felt like Tech should have won that game. I went back and looked at the box score. Ryan Willis was the starting quarterback. Yes, uh, He threw three interceptions and Virginia Tech ran for a total of 98 yards. Yeah. And Tech only lost by seven. I know. You
2: right. know, when, 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 you look, when you look at the box score, it was like Virginia Tech didn't deserve to win the football game. But at the same time, you take away a couple of those turnovers, and they probably still somehow would have won the game. But that was the, uh, you know, everybody liked Willis before then because they loved his aggressiveness. Scared money don't make money, right? <laughs> that and, was, I believe that was the next game he started after the UVA 2018 game. Right. Correct? Right. So. Correct. Correct. Uh, uh, no, the, that's not true actually. No, the Marshall and, the bo- Marshall, no, Mar- well. Marshall and the bowl game, yeah, actually. But so, but right. but yeah, it's the next uh it's fun, but, really meaningful yes, one. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh not, quick trivia here. Uh I I don't think I'm stealing this from Katie. Who was the starting quarterback in that game for Boston College? Which one? Uh twenty nineteen season opener.
0: Mm. Oh, uh uh Is he yet uh Oh gosh, Jesse's transferred somewhere. He right? he's transferred somewhere. <laughs> I, I can't think of the name, and he plays for a really good team right now. They current
1: they currently would be in the playoff right now uh, after last night's. Which ranking. which team is it that he plays? Oregon.
0: For? Oh, almost had it. Anthony An- Brown. An- Anthony Brown. There you, there, you right. there you go. That's right. Oh, Jeffy, oh give God. me enough time. Okay, so he
2: was the same class as Josh Jackson coming out of high school, right? Yeah. Virginia Tech offered Josh Jackson and Brown and and Jackson was the guy who who committed first so Virginia Tech took Jackson and then Brown went to Boston College. Wasn't
0: Brown the one who had the big long run at the end of the 2018 game to to seal it in Lane yeah, Stadium? Yeah, I I probably believe so. so, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Oregon, the college football playoff rankings first ones came out uh, some, some interesting stuff in there. It was
2: very interesting stuff. It's like okay, Alabama lost a game and they actually don't have a as quality of win is the teams behind them but they're still number, they're two. number two they're number two based on reputation but here's the thing it doesn't matter right now if they lose to georgia which i think they should lose to georgia then they're out most two likely. lost teams usually do yeah, not get in it would be tougher than the so i don't think that matters right now
1: michigan state number three and then oregon four followed by ohio state at five and cincinnati undefeated at six What
2: a quality win over notre dame who i think is ninth and that was
0: a road win too yeah that's right
1: yes yeah. Yes, and then Oklahoma undefeated. They are eighth. So uh, there's a
2: yeah. There's a there's but, a lot of you can make an argument now for expanding the playoffs. I guess well, Oklahoma
1: undefeated thing. with near losses to Tulane, Kansas, Texas. Uh, Texas. Yeah. So. Um, but i think the one thing everybody can agree on is that
2: georgia deserves to be number 1 uh, i i you know we can talk about expanding the playoffs and everything all we want like i don't think georgia's capable of being matter how what have they allowed four touchdowns it. all year i've never seen it have you ever seen anything like their defense the, that defense is it's like it's, an 86 uh, bears yeah <laughs> i
0: i will actually watch make time to watch georgia cuz that defense is so uh, i don't want to say unprecedented it's a it's a once every five to ten years defense.
2: They they had a game watching party for uh, Georgia Florida on Saturday in the Battery, in one of the main bars right next to the stadium, and you know there's Georgia fans there and then there's Florida fans there and, I mean we're sitting there watching the game at all over the place, but wherever we go in to grab a beer or something, the game is on, and it's just a steady pounding. of of georgia and the florida fans are just like there's nothing we can do about it there's nothing anybody
1: can that game was three nothing i want to say with like four minutes left in the first half and then georgia got three turnovers and scored three touchdowns in the final four minutes of the first
0: half. so so I, i remember reading an article shortly after kirby smart was hired about what he was doing in recruiting and of course he brought the alabama model but he was working harder and bringing even more to the table than Alabama was. So this is the fruit of being a really, really good recruiting football team for going on three or four years now.
1: I actually wrote this down. I wanted to look at the red zone defense for the, for Boston college and Virginia tech. But while I was looking, I caught a glimpse of Georgia's stats in the red zone this year. Unbelievable. So through eight games, they've only allowed teams to reach the red zone 14 times, Uh less than two times a game. And in those 14 trips, only four touchdowns have been scored. Right,
2: and one of those was, like, Kentucky late against Georgia's backups. Yes,
1: so four touchdowns and 14 red zone trips, only eight total scores. So they're stopping the other team from scoring in the red zone almost half the time, any points, not even field goals. Yeah, I,
2: I hope fans of other teams haven't made any, like definite plans to win the national championship this year because that's just not going to
1: happen. Now, now,
0: Georgia still hasn't won a national championship since the Herschel Walker days, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, they, they lost to Alabama.
1: They, yeah, the two uh, uh, overtime the, pass
0: uh, yeah. that beat them. So if they win this year, it'll be it'll, slightly it, different. It'll
2: be, it'll be like when Clemson won it for the first time since – Danny Ford was, was there.
0: After having lost to Alabama the previous year I think, right? I think so, something
1: yeah. like that. And we've been talking about Kenneth Walker in Michigan State too. I want to bring it up. Five yes. touchdowns against Michigan on Saturday. Yeah,
2: tonight, I uh I, I kinda I took a little nap around noon on Saturday, but that game was on TV so I could kind of hear it while I was half asleep. And he scored
0: four touchdowns while you were sleeping. I don't know if it was <laughs> while I was
2: sleeping, but uh he scored five for the game. Two star recruit, evaluated and recruited and developed by Dave Clawson.
1: And Wake Forest also ranked in the top 10 in the first college football number playoff Number 10, rankings. right? Nine. Number 9. There might be nine. Number 9.
2: Yeah. They're, so,
0: they're number 9 in one of the polls. They're
1: either 9
2: in playoff 10 in AP or, or flip-flop, whatever yeah. it is. And uh, we get UNC this weekend. And non-conference, non-conference game. Non-conference game, I swear. like After this season, Jim Phillips should be like, okay, this is not allowed anymore. <laughs> you know how many people that's going to confuse this weekend? Yes. The, the, Especially you're, if you're, North
1: Carolina wins. They're
2: going to show the score on on, on, on ESPN and... It's going to be final, and then it's, it's going to show, like, let's say North Carolina wins, and then it's going to show Wake Forest still unbeaten in the ACC, and people are going to be like, what is what? going on? Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 this shouldn't it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be allowed I to mean. happen. I, I remember when they signed the game, it was like five years ago, and I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't make sense. And uh, now that said, you know, this is, North Carolina can't stop anybody, and seemingly nobody can stop Wake Forest. So, yeah. I, I mean, Wake could put hang 60 on them this weekend, which would make me happy.
0: It's interesting. You know, Wake's got a really productive offense right now, but you know, they, they didn't go over 500 yards till about three or four games ago, and now it seems that's all they're doing is putting up a lot of yards yeah. and points.
2: They are number four in the country in offensive efficiency. Yeah. So they're a very, very efficient offense. They're, and they're more efficient defensively than you would think. Like, they're 51st. Even though they're like total defense, they're 97th. It's just the t- style of play that right. they, they have, yeah
1: will wake the the ACC's last chance in, at a playoff spot. They would need some yeah. things to go right in front of them and win out. But uh, Ooh,
0: That would be ugly, though. They'd be number four, and they'd want to play in Georgia.
1: <laughs> Could we get mm-hmm. a Georgia-Michigan State-Wake for cincinnati playoff? That, that would, would be, be awesome. awesome. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Georgia would win both oh, games man, by 40, but, but <laughs> that would
0: be sort of awesome. <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, well, I did want to dive into the Boston College offensive line, but I know what katie 's talking about, so we 're going to touch on that here yeah. as well so let 's send it over to Katie
3: yeah, this is a significant game for Boston College, of course, their annual red bandana game annual since 2014. Oh, is it, really? wow. it is they also they wore these uniforms earlier in the year against UMass so they have a win in them, but it wasn 't classified as the Red bandana game in that game. I think they just wore them because it was on eleven. Um, so Virginia Tech playing in bigish stages and back-to-back weeks. Last week, it was Georgia Tech's homecoming. This week, it's BC's annual red bandana game. But they're only three and four all-time during this game. You would think that they would have somewhat of an advantage, but they don't. So we'll see how they fare this week. NFL standouts Luke Keekley and Matt Hasselback will be in attendance as well. And then Boston College has several players with famous bloodlines on this 2021 roster, which is really interesting jv and dane who's son of heisman trophy winner ron dane took it wow. from michael vick in, in now, 99 now, I, mean,
0: I think when ron dane won the heisman i think his girlfriend was holding the baby wow. during that and, and i don't know well, it must be him yeah wow him. yeah That's
3: cool. um jacob Kraft, son of patriots president jonathan Kraft, wow. is on this team tyler Vrabel, am i saying that right Brable. okay yep. son of titan's head coach is on this team there's mm-hmm. Joe Tessitore, ESPN announcer. I his son is was on was the related. Wow.
0: Well, Do, he, does the son also talk too much during football games?
1: Well, so so John Tessitore, uh, <laughs> Joe was calling one of John's games last year and John scored on a fake field goal or something that like rings that. A bell. And it he never made it known that it was his son. Like it was it was so weird. I was like there has to be a relation there, but uh,
0: See the the I think it was the 1997 National Championship game the last time Michigan won. Bob Greasy was calling the game, and his son, whose name suddenly escapes me, was the starting quarterback for Michigan. And I remember – so, what's that? Brian. Brian yeah. Brian, yeah. So, at the end of the game, it's Keith Jackson and, and Bob Greasy calling the game, and Bob Greasy had to have a moment. Yeah, yeah. Jackson was like, do you, do you need to, you know, take a break? And, and Greasy's like, Ur, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just so it happened, Brian Greasy now on Monday Night Football. Joe Tessitore, the previous voice of Monday Night Football. So, both of those together. Uh, and then I was talking to Katie before Alec Lindstrom, uh, the center for Boston College. His brother was a first round pick of the
2: Falcons. And their 2018. dad, eighteen. Yep, and their dad played in the NFL for a while back yeah. in the day. Uh, Boston College is—it's a really good school, and they've always been really good at player development. Like they get the most out of their talent level, I think, for the most part. Of, and so, like, if if you're like. If you're a, if you're a former NFL player that understands that type of stuff, or or if you're a craft who wants your kids to get a good education, so it makes sense to me that there's a lot of famous names on. Yeah. on well, BC Mike Mike Vrabel
1: played in New England for so many years, hit, so yeah. it, it makes sense. Back to Boston.
3: And then for trivia, Virginia Tech historically historically plays at least one Thursday night game per year. We've kind of strayed away from that in recent years. So just want to talk about our success or failure during weeknight games in general. Since 2008, we've played 37 games on a weeknight, Monday through Friday. So, what's your best guess for our record in that? Since 2008. Yes, 37 games total. 37
0: games. Uh, I'll bet it's close to 50-50. was uh, uh,
2: 21 and
3: 16. 20, 20 and 17. Oh. That was the first
1: one that came to my mind. I don't know why? But yeah.
3: so yeah, very close. Friday night games in particular were six and two. Thursday night games were 12 and eight. So a good record on Friday night, I would say, but most of those wins come against UVA, of course. Right. And then I heard you guys say this last or on Monday, Scott Glesner's like segment of this podcast. Yes. So he put some interesting stuff in the chat today. Um, apparently, BC is the team that we've played the most since 1993. We've played them 29 times, and then UVA is one game behind that, with 28. Um, and then this Friday will be the first time since November 1st, 1974, where Virginia Tech will play a regular season game outside of the state of Virginia on a Friday. Interesting. Wow. So,
2: so so BC's saw, first on the list because those two years we played them twice in the same year.
0: And now they skipped really? a year. They didn't play in 2004, right. but, but doing it twice in and two years. Yeah, Tech
2: played BC twice in 2007 and 2008, once in the regular season and once in the ACC championship game. Okay. And and Tech of the important ones. So so that's why we've played Boston College more than UVA.
1: Since since 1993,
0: is that what you said? Yeah. Since uh, Big East round robin play started. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I was also doing some research this week on short weeks under Justin Fuente. What do you think Virginia Tech's record is? Eight games. Uh, Short weeks? I
2: don't think it's very good. I don't know. Uh, Five and three. Five and three.
1: Correct. (laughs) Okay. Now I'm thinking
0: about bye weeks Well,
1: so two of those wins are Friday games against UVA. So that, that happens almost every year. Two of them are after Florida state on labor day and, uh, West Virginia the day before labor day, beating Delaware and William and Mary, uh, and then beat Miami on a Thursday night.
0: So if you're sweating, uh, the fact that the Virginia tech had a road game last weekend and they're having a road game on a short week this week, uh, the team was back in town Saturday night, you know, so it was almost like a home game. It's, it's not standpoint. a
2: long flight. Uh, yeah. um, my flight from Richmond, we went a little bit west towards the mountains and then came down, but a straight shot, we took a straight shot from Atlanta to Richmond on the way back, and it was only a one hour and six minute flight. Yeah. So yeah. For, you know, you're from Roanoke to Atlanta. If you did a straight shot, you're you're looking at a hour flight basically thereabouts. That's not. You don't spend a lot of time traveling.
0: So, Malcolm, did, did you and David see Braxton Burmeister out Saturday night? Is that how I know that? I think you got somebody was talking about this. So yeah, I saw Burmeister out in Blacksburg on Saturday
3: night. Yeah, so, I saw a picture so. of them. There was like people coming up to him in bars asking for pictures. I think he was at Champs or something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, so in my brain, I was like, okay, so they got back early. So that's not a big issue. I
1: think David did say he saw Braxton at Champs on Saturday night. So yeah, they must have got back decently early. I mean, noon, noon cake, noon so 30.
3: They got game. back at like 7 p.m., I want to say.
0: That's that's quick. So so you start playing the game at 1230. Game goes to sometime between 330 and four. And you're out at champs at like seven o'clock (laughs) at (laughs) night. That that is quick. Quick turn. Interview is quick. Shower quick. Get on the plane. Go. All
1: right, well, we're going to take a break here on episode 205 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We will come back, talk a lot about the Boston College defense, how they match up with the Hokies offense that has started to roll over the last couple weeks. We'll also get keys to the game and game picks for this weekend's matchup with the Eagles. We're going to take a break. Stay with us here on episode 205 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. We welcome you back on episode 205 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Glad you're with us as we preview Virginia Tech and Boston College on Friday evening up in Chestnut Hill. Hokies trying to get back-to-back wins and get back above 500 on the season. If you are watching live in the YouTube, be sure to keep dropping comments and questions in the chat. If you have a question for Will and Chris, we'll get to those at the very end of the show. We've already gone through Boston College's offense, their struggles without Phil Jurkovic. But now let's look at the defense. A solid group. Jeff Hafley, a good defensive coach on that side of the ball. Uh, but they've had a they had a rough day against Sean Tucker. Their last time out against Syracuse gave up more more than two hundred yards to the Syracuse running back. Uh, and really, their their run uh, defense has not been very good, especially coming up against a Virginia Tech team that's been running the ball much better.
2: Yeah, you know, look at their last four games. Of rush defense. Clemson, forty carries, two hundred thirty one yards. NC State. 34 carries, 130 yards. They did okay against NC State. Louisville, 47 carries, 331 yards. Ooh. And Syracuse, 47 carries, 293 yards. Uh, They're really, really struggling to stop the run right now and mm. trending down. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech's run game is trending up. Uh, if you've seen what the Hokies have done, averaging, oh my gosh, I don't know, 250 yards or so over the right last few games there. on the ground. Yeah, and just
0: cl- close to six yards a carry, I think, the, the yeah. last couple games.
2: Yeah. Uh, now the thing is, BC's pass defense is legit, man. Uh they held Syracuse to 65 passing yards and Louisville to 107 passing wow. yards. Uh so they have been they've been very good on 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 that on that side of the ball. Yeah, and in team and,
0: pass efficiency defense are rated 27 in the country. The country. So, so yeah, they they've done a nice job there.
2: Um I, I would expect Virginia Tech to run the ball a lot. I think if BC is smart, they'll try to run the ball a lot. It's like I don't think this is going to be one of those three and a half hour football games. I, I think this is going to be a pretty short game by, by modern standards, and uh, I I, I, th- I think Virginia Tech has more firepower than them, which is why I think I think Virginia Tech will will win. Um, but the BC pass defense is, is, is appears to me to be legit
1: we mentioned last week how it could be another big game from Alakai thomas he broke a hundred yards again this seems like another game where he could maybe become a, a true freshman to run for back to back to back 100 yard games
2: that would be nice that
0: would be nice <laughs> yeah i don't know if KJ did that uh I, I we, we talked about him in the last podcast how he did it twice in a row Yeah, as a true freshman which which games were them were they Miami UVA 2001 uh Miami and UVA and and I don't Remember, right off the top of my head, what games were around? Those. I, Temp-
2: uh, I want to say he got his first start against Temple and rushed for a thousand yards, but I don't know if that was like if that was right before the UVA game. You mean rush for a hundred, uh, uh, yeah. Though you could rush for a thousand against Temple back in the <laughs> yeah, day, exactly. Um, I, I do know that you know he did not do it against Florida State in the ballgame. game. Even if he did, they didn't count really count ballgame game stats back then anyway. Right. I don't think so. Uh, so yeah, I, if he did it against Miami and he did it against UVA. I think they played Temple. You know, the it week may have before. been
0: three in a row because they they got smoked by Pittsburgh thirty eight seven. Then they beat Temple thirty five nothing. That was his
2: first start. I've got, I've got it up. He did UVA. I, won, won for 300, I think three
1: hundred yard games in a row. Okay, I, okay. I want to say
2: he ran for like a buck fifty against Temple. It was a huge game. Yeah, he
1: had, he had three huge games in a row. One hundred and fifty five against Temple. I don't know how I seven point four yards per carry. Whew. He had 37 carries against Virginia, ran oh, yeah. for 181 yards, and then against Miami, 24 carries, and 160 yards.
0: Yeah. Nice. So Malachi, Malachi Thomas is shooting for that. Yes. That.
1: He almost ran for, I want to say, 500 yards in, in just three games. Three games oh, yeah. 496, if I'm doing my math. correctly. a athlete. true freshman. And
2: KJ was just a freak athlete. Now, Malachi Thomas isn't a freak athlete. I think he might be, like, at the same stage, a better natural running back than KJ. I think he's... He's really he understands body lean. I think his vision's really good, but he's not as big and strong as KJ was. As he was a freshman, of course. Uh, yeah. KJ was a dominant athlete early in his career, and that's why he was a five-star recruit. Yeah. Um, Malachi Thomas is a three-star recruit because he's not a dominant athlete. He's just a good natural football player, which sometimes the recruiting services don't value, or yeah. it can be difficult for those guys to spot. Um, I do think when you get him a year or two in the strength and conditioning program. You remember when he almost broke that run at the end of the Georgia Tech game? Give him a year, an offseason of doing squats, and he breaks that tackle, and instead of 103 yards or whatever, it's 150 yards. Yes. Yeah, and another touchdown for Virginia Tech. So
0: one of the things David brought up on Monday's podcast is that that Thomas uh, doesn't lose yardage. And And
2: actually, neither did Raheem Blackshear in this game.
0: Yes, in that game, neither one of them did. Thomas uh, has negative three rushing yards in in, uh, 57 carries. So he's got 305 positive yards and negative three rushing yards. It adds up to 302. And that is an underappreciated trait in a running back to always be falling forward, always be pushing forward.
2: It's also impressive for a guy his size. I know he's listed at 197, but, man, he doesn't look 197. Maybe, again, after a year in the weight room, he'll get
1: up to that size. But definitely not uh, that big right now. Could be another big week for him and Raheem Blackshear in the backfield. You mentioned the pass defense for Boston College. Uh, they have been impressive. Some good players. Josh DeBerry stands out at nickel. Uh, ACC all, all, all ACC honorable mention last year, uh, been basically their best defensive player all, all season.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. And generally speaking, like, it just doesn't seem like uh, – they've, they've really struggled, I think, on the back end with their run defense. Like, a couple of their corners are bad at it. A couple of their linebackers are bad at it in safeties. But generally speaking, their defensive line has been good for the most part. Um I've always thought like Marcus Valdez was a good player. Uh, I think uh, I think their physical um, linebacker play for BC this year. You generally expect BC's linebackers to play a little better than they have this year, in yeah. my opinion.
1: I mean, we mentioned Luke Keekley is going to be. He's going to be there. So yeah. <laughs> and there's
2: no Luke Keekley on this team for sure. No Luke
1: Keekly on this team. I, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk about the red zone defense because I was thinking, you know they. Uh, Sean Tucker ran for 200 yards against Boston College, but Syracuse only scored 21 points. If they're getting down there, how have they done? And BC, indeed, a top 30 red zone defense yeah. in the country.
2: Yeah, and that's not too surprising, I guess. I think you have to be balanced to score. Um, you know, he might've rushed for 200 yards against him, but I mean, Garrett Schrader only threw for 65, yeah. you know, so
0: <laughs> I hadn't seen that stat ah, when snort. I looked up the, red where, zone.
2: where, where, gosh,
0: where was the big time? against was College <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, um, so you talk again, talking about red zone defense, it's uh, so like, which stat are you looking at when you say that? So it's,
1: it's amount of scores in overall. as many tries divided yeah. by, so they're, Tied for 29th, they've given up just 12 touchdowns and 22 tries.
0: So if, if you <clears throat> if you look at the NCAA stats, uh, they do not have columns for uh, touchdown percentage. They don't. CFBstats.com does. And that's one of the things I like about CFB stats is you can actually go to the red zone stats and sort them by touchdown percentage.
1: Yeah, I was looking through the NCAA ones. I saw, t- so 22 tries, I believe they're doing it They've allowed 18 scores or 16 scores in 22 tries, so that makes them tied that's for 29th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for comparison, Virginia Tech tied for 82nd in the country, 14 touchdowns, 18 total scores, and 21 attempts. Right. So uh, so Boston College defense going to be tough for the Hokies uh, to go after. I was reading through your preview, which is now up on uh, techsideline.com. Uh, PFF run grades have not been very good for Boston College so far this year.
2: Have not been good, and that's particularly – excuse me, particularly the case with with their linebackers and, and one of their corners. I want to say, excuse me, Elijah Jones is uh, not a good run defender. Uh, Cam Arnold has struggled at strong side linebacker. Um, Isaiah Henderson at nose tackle hasn't been good. He's a little bit undersized. But for the most part, their defensive linemen have been, have been pretty good, but it's the guys behind them letting them down. So very similar to like Georgia Tech last week, where we're generally speaking – their defensive linemen had been okay but but their linebackers and their and their safeties haven't been and Virginia Tech was able to put together another good rushing performance against against them last week so hopefully more of the same this week against Boston College uh i if i, I think i really want Virginia Tech to be aggressive in this game and i'm not talking about coming out there and throwing bombs down the field yeah. I, i'm talking about like going after the BC offense Trying to create short fields for the Virginia Tech offense, maybe even get a defensive score if you can manage it. So I really want Tech's defense to attack. If they can get up by like two scores at the end of the first quarter just from being aggressive defensively and flipping field position, then that's that's the ball game right there. So it, the Boston, off Boston, Boston but, too. exactly. And Boston College is not going to be able to come back from a double-digit deficit mm-hmm. with their passing offense. It's just extremely unlikely. So I, I would really like. Virginia Tech to come out and take the ball by the horns in the first quarter in this one.
0: So it's interesting looking at their their defensive stats, going just by the traditional metrics. Their total defense is, they're 42nd in the country at 347 yards a game, but it's pretty much half of it is given up in run defense and half of it is given up in pass defense. So their rush defense is 91st in the country. Their passing yards allowed is 10th in the country. Wow. Yeah, and those are traditional metrics. They're not efficiency, but it's still interesting to take a look.
2: Yeah, you and you can look up their yards per uh, – yards per carry, how much they allow in the run game. And, I, and I, for, I put it in the article. I forgot what it was, but it wasn't wasn't very good. Yeah. So, so, yeah, they, they are not good when it comes to defending the run, and, and hopefully that's something Tech can take advantage of.
1: Well, you've mentioned that it might be another big game for Alakai Thomas – but Trey Turner has started to trend in that right direction, as have a lot of the wide receivers uh-huh. since the beginning of the season. Maybe tough for
2: them to get it going this I, game? I thought it was maybe, maybe. I thought Trey Turner played his toughest game in a Virginia Tech uniform this past yeah. season. with the no. tackles he broke, and he even went to the sidelines and threw up at, at one point. Now, there's also a nasty rumor going around, and I don't know if this is true or not, and Fuente would never admit this, that, that Turner's hurt, and he's not going to be able to play on Saturday. And I have no idea if that's true or not. I mean the rumor was actually like a broken sternum or something like that and I, I but I have no idea. I have no idea if that's true.
0: And I would throw up too if I had a broken sternum. I so. probably would too. Yeah.
2: So hopefully that's not because that that would be a big loss for the Virginia Tech offense but even more of a reason for them to run the football against Boston College, which is what they need to do. And, uh, you know, th- this is a game where, like, we've been giving Malachi Thomas so much uh, credit recently, and, and rightfully so, because he's been very, very good. But dude, Blackshear has been really good the last couple weeks. He, he's averaged more yards per carry yep. than Malachi Thomas right. in both of those games. He just didn't have as many carries. Uh, so, definitely, and he had probably his best single play of the season last season against BC when he broke that tackle and ran yeah. 30 or 40 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, so. he, was,
0: he was very physical going up the middle for a guy that's right. not very big. Right. And and I thought that was a weakness of his last year. I think when they ran him up the middle Blackshear, he was pretty ineffective, but I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah,
2: and, and I think uh, with a guy like Blackshear, you know, he had to come in and he missed so much of the preseason with COVID. Yeah. and Yeah. I just don't think he was in shape to start the season last year and it was just a tough year for him because of that but i i think this season and particularly the last two weeks you're you're seeing the real raheem blackshear that that we that rutgers fans saw when he was a good player for them and could it be more
1: that his role is kind of the number two he was kind of leaned on early in the season to be the guy at running back and now right. that malachi thomas has taken a little bit of the load off him it seems yeah. like he's
2: flourishing and I, I just like i think he's I would argue that Blackshear is Tech's most, whether he's the starting running back or number two. I I would say he's. I think he's Virginia Tech's most complete offensive football player. He's doing a really good job pass blocking this year. Uh, he's a big time threat in the passing game, and he's he's done really done a nice job in the running game the last couple of weeks. So I, I think he's Virginia Tech's most complete offensive
0: player. And that's about all you evaluate a running back on. I mean, running running backs rarely run block, right. so that's not really a thing. Yeah. So it's how do you pass block? How do you run and carry out you your fakes out would be
2: another one, but that's 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 not something that most people are going to be able to see. But generally speaking, like I'm very pleased with his play this year.
1: And you weren't here on Monday. I want to ask you how has Malachi Thomas progressed pass blocking wise?
2: You know, his first couple of games not so good, and and I but and, I, and that's probably why he wasn't playing earlier in the season. And I know that doesn't make sense to most people, but that's just how football coaches think. It's 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 why Ryan Williams redshirted under Billy Height. It's why David Wilson didn't play very much as a true freshman because they couldn't pass block, and they were trying not to get Tyrod Taylor killed, right? Right. Um, it, which is probably a pretty good decision in, in hindsight. Uh, same thing this year, man. They're trying not to get Blackshear ki- or Blackshear, Burmeister, Burmeister killed. Do you, yeah, I mean, I don't think we would be f- capable of avoiding a football game if, Bra- if Braxton Burmeister got hurt. To be honest with you, yeah. so it's extremely important to make sure your running back doesn't get him killed. Now that being said, I think they were found like Jalen Holston for whatever reason was having a horrible year pass blocking, and that shouldn't happen to a senior, but he was. So if you might as well throw the guy in who's better at running the football. So all time to do was... if neither one of them can pass block, you yeah. might as well throw the guy in who can run. Yeah. Now. Thomas took a big step forward in pass protection against Georgia Tech. So that's really good to see. Actually had the third highest pass uh, pass blocking grade on the team. Do you remember how
0: many snaps he was he was involved? Not in? very many. I don't I want to say like 8 or 9. Right.
2: So they're not they're asking him to do it a, a lot it doesn't seem like. They asked him to do it I think once against Pitt and maybe like six times against Syracuse.
0: Yeah.
1: I mentioned on Monday that 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 grade kind of surprises me because obviously if he's Blocking well, you don't notice him as much. But yeah. the one time I did notice him in pass protection, uh, he turned to block a guy, and the guy was already behind him. Oh, wow. So, uh, I believe early third quarter when okay. Burmeister got sacked. Let's go into keys to the game here. I know, I think I know what Chris is going to say, but uh, what what did the Hokies have to do to make this a two game win streak? Get back above five hundred.
2: Man, you got to run the football. You have to run the football um, because you're not going to be able to pass it against these guys, most likely. Like just. You know, looking at the effectiveness effectiveness of Virginia Tech's passing offense this year, coupled with the fact that well, let's say the Trey Turner rumor is true and he's out, how are you going to pass the ball against the number ten pass defense in the country or whatever? I mean, they're legitimately good. So if you can't run the ball, that means you're not going to move the ball. So a Tech has to go out there and be able to establish the run. Um, so to me, that's that's the key of the game. I don't think Boston College is going to be able to score enough to beat Virginia Tech. It's just a matter of like. But at the same time, like, if Tech doesn't run the ball, how are they going to score? So, that, to me, that's it. Run the ball.
0: I would say, in addition to that, don't screw it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think uh, I think Virginia Tech's the, the better football team and should win this game. And I think it's – we before we went live, I said, I think this is the easiest game to pick all year other than the Duke game. Yeah. I just really feel like Tech's going to win this one. Last week, I picked them to beat Georgia Tech because I, quote, unquote, had a feeling. <laughs> no, this week I think they should win this game. Um I think in ACC play they are four and four in Chestnut Hill, so it's not like it's a house of horrors for them. Tech four and two over the last six trips to Chestnut. Yeah, Hill. Yeah, it's not Heinz Field, right? You know, or the or the Carrier Dome. Sure. Um, so we were talking about attendance earlier, and uh, unlike Virginia Tech, uh, Boston College's schedule is skewed to home games later in the year. They've only had three home games so far this year. And uh, one of those was against Missouri where they had good attendance, and then they had 40,000 against. NC State. NC State. Um, It's hard to say where the Boston College fans' mindset is going to be at this point. They may be a little dejected losing four in a row, and they may not show up. Or they may respond to the fact that an old uh, rival's coming to town. It's Friday night. Let's they got go some to former the... NFL players red there. Red Bandana game. Yeah. yeah, Red Bandana game's a good point, you know. So um, It is
1: going to be right around 30 degrees on Friday night in Chestnut yeah. Hill.
0: That doesn't bother them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at least thirty-five to 40,000, maybe more. So uh, the environment ought to be pretty good, and we'll see how Virginia Tech responds.
2: I, I'd actually be more comfortable with a good environment than I would be if there was yes, like 15,000 yes. people there sitting on their hands. yes. I forget
1: who tweeted it on on uh, Saturday. I heard Atlanta was the opposite of electric. I, I want to say Mike Nisely like used that. Yeah, term yeah. On just
2: looking, watching the condensed version, it didn't seem Not didn't seem fun. very <laughs> impressive to me. Uh, Will's right. It's like don't screw it up. That's kind of the right terminology. Um, just doesn't look like Boston College is gonna has the firepower. To, to beat Virginia Tech now if and this might actually be one of the most boring games of the year
0: maybe the most boring
2: and if it goes if it goes the way it's supposed to go it should be yeah. one of the most boring games of the year
0: and and don't be you know uh, uh, Virginia Tech had a good offensive game last week against Georgia Tech and everybody says oh well, Georgia Tech's terrible well Virginia Tech also had a pretty good offensive game against Syracuse mm-hmm. who's one of the better defensive yeah. teams in the conference yes. So the fact that Boston College is a very good pass defense team doesn't mean you cannot, you can't have you know four to five hundred yards against them if Virginia Tech looks as good on offense as they've looked the last two weeks.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Tech is going to rack up a bunch of total yards this week simply because I, I think, I think there's an overall strategy you can play against Boston yeah. College that is geared towards field position and things like that and. Putting their offense in bad positions. Uh, it's if you can put your own offense in short fields, you're not gonna get a lot of total yards. Correct. But uh, but but you're gonna have a better chance to win the football game.
1: And if both teams are running the ball, it could be less possessions, less opportunities to go get yeah, yards. And, so, and a
0: bigger key becomes who finishes well in the red zone, which the Hokies didn't do very well against Georgia Tech. Right. Yeah. No.
1: Well let's get into game picks here uh once again you guys are all in lockstep chris Mm. uh i I don't remember the score i picked that
2: sounds about right i was going back and forth between like 24 to 13 27 to 14 you know something like that um i I think it i don't think it's gonna be a very exciting game i could see i could see it being even less than that like 20 to 10 or something like that i think it's possible
0: so I went with Virginia Tech 31, Boston College 17, and, and that smells like I'm expecting BC to turn it over deep in their territory, and yeah. that, that could be the difference.
1: David goes 26-13, Virginia Tech. He says, I think the Hokies run the ball effectively and go ahead early, giving themselves a buffer and some breathing room defensively for the rest of the game and win by two scores. So similar yeah. uh, to Chris's explanation. Uh, the fans were right again last week uh, by a slim margin. Of just 13 votes, uh, the fans picked the Hokies to win by 1-10, to 10, and that was the case. So fans are now 6-2. They've been right three straight games. David 6-2, Will and Chris both 5-3. And, and an early check on the poll so far, overwhelmingly the fans thinking Virginia Tech's going to win.
0: Yes, let's see. That is 88% of the fans thinking Virginia Tech's going to win. 39% the Hokies win by 11-plus, and 49% they win by 1-10. to 10. And then only two voters
1: uh, decided to be contrarians and picked BC to win by 11. Points. A couple of oh, Boston no. College fans have
0: wandered <laughs> into the poll. Yeah. So
1: that's really the first time in a few weeks we've seen Hokies fans be overwhelmingly positive, which at least through 400 votes, probably about a quarter of what are, what's going to be done. But yeah. still, uh, let's check in with uh, the YouTube. Katie, any good questions in the chat today?
3: It'll be short and sweet today. Scott Glessner says, "Is there a reason that Virginia Tech has gone away from last-second defensive line shifts before the snap, or is that just not something Jay Hamm probably is worrying about?"
2: You know that that they haven't done that as much in a long time. That was much more prevalent in in the '90s, to be honest with you, when almost everybody used man-blocking schemes. Yep, that's right. It doesn't. It, it these days, almost everybody's doing zone blocking and things like that. You're more likely to see that against a team that is more likely to, to, to do man blocking. Zone blocking is like you're not you're just blocking whoever's in your area. You're not assigned a specific man. When Tech would shift their defensive line before the snap back in the day, it was to throw the offensive lineman off, and they had to really think quickly, okay, now that this guy switched gaps which of these guys do I have to block? And at that yeah. point, the ball is snapped, and they might not have any idea what to do because they hadn't had a chance to process it in their heads yet. So the the advent of zone blocking throughout college football has, has made pre-snap shifts uh, a little less likely
0: these days. So who uh, who really started using zone blocking? Who who was the the forerunner
2: in that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know in the NFL, uh, the, the late 90s, Broncos teams. Broncos. Were, that, were
0: really that much at, I know too, yeah. but I don't know who started it. But, yeah, I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, I remember reading an article way back then about the Broncos doing yeah. that, and they had a great running game. Wow. Davis, Terrell Davis, is that who ran yeah, for yeah, back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. They did yeah. the mile salute and everything, I remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I remember being taught to zone block in high school, but it didn't happen until, like, 1998. We, like, my freshman year, we had no zone blocking at all. It was all man blocking. Yeah. 1998, we were taught very the very basic concepts of it, which is right around the time that the Broncos were really making it famous in the NFL.
0: So, so I'm guessing that line shifts, if you've seen them more recently, have been about maybe shifting the alignment of the defense, not necessarily trying to like like maybe you take a guy from from this A gap over here to this A-gap here, right, A gap over here, and you shift a
2: linebacker too, and yeah, it could be more about getting the offense to change their play call based on your alignment than, than it would be about getting just them trying to stand to try, up <laughs> and look at the sidelines. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. The, the first thing I
1: think of when I think of the late defensive line shifts, I don't know if you saw this. It was probably two years ago. I'll leave a word out here, but Baker Mayfield, uh, the Jaguars line all shifts over at the last second. Baker Mayfield goes, oh, that was cute, guys. And then he snaps the ball. And I, I left a word out there, but <laughs> always funny.
3: Um, and then last one from Sam Sweeney. With recruiting improved this year and Tierlink and others just recently hired, do you think their best recruiting years are still ahead of them if staff is kept intact?
0: I do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think generally speaking, he's hired – he's made some good recruiting hires. I, I think I, – I wish they'd been able to retain Tap because he was really good at it. But yeah. I, I think Ryan Smith's an excellent recruiter. I, I think he's the best recruiter here. I, if he stays here long enough, I think he'll be considered Virginia Tech's best recruiter since Jim Cavanaugh. Well, and you know,
0: I, the, and, and the commitments of Ramon Brown and Gunnar Gibbons this year are big. Because yeah. Because they're yeah. both top ten guys. Yeah, and,
2: um, and um, I, I think uh, – Jock Tyler's done a really good job in Northern Virginia, I think. And Justin Hamilton, I think, is a strong recruiter. So uh, I I think this current staff and its current iteration is Justin Fuente's strongest recruiting staff as a whole. That's it. That's all we got. All right, well, thank you for
1: everybody who dropped a question, and thank you, Katie. Uh, Before we get out of here, I do want to mention Boston College – we're sending our football team up there. They're sending their football team down oh, here tonight. That's right. uh, first round of the ACC tournament, 7 o'clock at Thompson Field.
0: And unfortunately, that won't be on the ACC Network. They're showing, I think, Wake Forest and somebody else. But okay. I'm sure it's on stream.
1: I believe it'll be on ACC Network Extra. I yeah. want to say Bailey you know Angle calling is calling it. I okay. want to say Bailey Angle.
2: Could be Evan, though. It'll, it'll be decent weather. It'll be chilly, but like the wind's not blowing at all right now. So it should be... Like pretty good November weather for Blacksburg.
1: Those
0: young people can run longer and even more than they usually do. Right?
1: <laughs> Hokies are trying to to bounce back. Strong starts of the year. They've lost their last three ACC games. So. ACC's a rough league, man. It is. It is brutal. They lost to Pitt four to one in their series or season finale. But still, with the way the the ACC scheduling is, that they're they're going to make the NCAA tournament just because oh, their stre- their strength of schedule is so yeah. strong. Yeah. All right, well, we will get out of here on episode 205. First, Chris, preview's already up. Anything mm-hmm. else coming up before game time? Yeah,
2: I'm going to write a basketball column tomorrow, switch gears a little bit, thoughts on the basketball season and everything like that. I will try to get a Q&A done by Friday, but with the short week, we'll see.
0: And we are also going to do some basketball during Monday's podcast, right? Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. So da- David just
1: finished up his preview as well, on the, uh, or at least part three of his preview. Just yeah, it's a three-part on-
2: series. Yeah.
1: And then we will uh, we are going to do I believe half and half on Monday's podcast. So we'll start. We'll recap Boston College, and then we'll dive into basketball season, which will start the next day. Uh, six days from today, basketball will be played in Blacksburg. So that's awesome. Lots to look forward to. Double header next Tuesday: Woman facing Davidson at five, men facing Maine at eight. So, uh, both those games streaming. Both of those are streaming uh, ACC Network Extra, I believe. And then after that, uh, Crosstown Rivalry, Virginia Tech-Radford on the 15th, I believe, is the next Hmm. men's
2: basketball game. We just got a text from David. Let's see if it's important. (laughs) Uh, He says, no Mario Kendricks this weekend either. Dislocated shoulder, apparently. I don't know where David gets this. Is song, that a right? rumor? Or? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Mark Murray did get helped he, he, off. Oh, he with, only played about fifteen with snaps. a shoulder issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll find out. Well, unconfirmed. If, if, we'll find out this weekend if David's injury news
0: is a legit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we All need. Right, so d- that <laughs> just means Josh Fuga is going to step Josh Fuga. Up, yeah. Yes,
1: we need David to be. He can be like our Adam Schefter. Just text <laughs> us during the podcast if he has any scoops or something like that. Right. Well that's going to do it here on episode 205 of the Tech Sideline podcast looking at Virginia Tech's trip down to Bo- or up to Boston College this weekend uh, to face the Eagles on Friday night. I want to thank everybody on set. Will Stewart across the way, founder and general manager at techsideline.com, find him at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman to my left, found, or excuse me, lead analyst and columnist of Tech Sideline. I'm not giving him your job quite yet. (laughs) Uh, At Chris Coleman, TSL on Twitter. Katie Adams in the fourth chair always does a great job. Katie Six Adams on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. I'm Jake Lyman, your host. Signing off. Enjoy the game, Hokies fans, and have a great weekend.